And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables and said unto them, the sold doves, that take these things hence, make not my father's house an house of merchandise. And the disciples remembered that it was written, the seal of thine house hath eaten me up. Now please, Matthew chapter 21. And verse 12. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. Now in the Gospels, we discover that at the outset and at the end of the Lord's earthly ministry, there are events which are repeated. We've just seen one concerning the cleansing of the temple. Now you will remember that at the, uh, at the beginning we have a Joseph. And at the end we have a Joseph again of Arimathea. We remember that there were angels who announced the birth of Christ. And then we see an angel who would declare that the Lord was risen. We remember uh, that the first miracle or sign uh, in the Lord's ministry was that of changing water into wine. And we see wine again uh, at the Last Supper. We remember that, that there was a miraculous catch of fishes at the outset and there was another one at the end in John chapter 21. Now I'd like, like to very quickly look at another four events which were repeated and I would sum them up under the following headings first of all in the steps of the Savior then we have the fig tree and its fruit then we have the holiness of the house and then we have sovereignty at the summit now in the steps of the Savior at the very outset of his ministry, you remember how that uh, Peter, uh, Simon called Peter, and Andrew followed him. They were the first to follow the Lord Jesus uh, throughout, throughout that uh, three and something years of his earthly ministry. When we come to the end, you remember, uh, at the end of Luke 18, the Lord Jesus is at Jericho. And there he restores the sight of two men. Now, uh, some of the Gospels only mention the Bartimaeus, but we know there were two men. And we read uh, that when he healed them, and we heard that yesterday, then they followed him in the way. Now, you see, uh, Andrew and Peter were the first to follow the Lord. 
two blind men were the last. They were the last that we read that followed him in the events uh, prior to the crucifixion. Now, if you remember that parable uh, of the, the laborers hired to go into the vineyard. Now, please notice, they weren't hired to work. They were hired to go. Uh, you might say that the, the, the one penny that they were given was to pay them to be in the vineyard. And to work for something extra, it might be seen as a privilege. Now, you remember that Peter and Andrew, they followed the Lord for a long period. And Peter will ask the Lord at a certain point, now we have followed thee, what do we have uh, therefore? Now, uh, you, you see, Peter could look at Bartimaeus and his friend and say, well, they haven't followed the Lord very long. And surely our reward will be greater than theirs. No. You see, I'm sure that Peter was just rejoicing that others were following the Lord Jesus. And what was their reward to be, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And I think it will be brethren and sisters who've been a long time uh, following the Lord Jesus. And they rejoice when a, a soul gets saved. And they may not, the Lord Jesus might come today. Well, I'm sure there would be no resentment on the part of those saints who served the Lord for a long time. Uh, so, uh, we, we see uh, the fact that they followed uh, the Lord. Now, what does this involve? It means, the Lord Jesus says, If any man will come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. Now, what does that mean? At that time... When uh, somebody knocked at your door and you saw a patrol of Roman soldiers with a cross and it was for you, you didn't say, as you would say in French, au revoir, in other words, I'll see you later on. You said adieu. You'd never see your family again. And that's what it meant to take up the cross. You put a, an end to your past. Everything was finished and you were walking a life with Christ. So we would see in this first pair the steps of the Saviour. Then we have a second pair, the fig tree and its fruit. And remember in, in John, in the first chapter, we have that man, Nathaniel. And the Lord Jesus sees him under a fig tree. And Nathaniel, you will notice, is the very first person ever to recognize the Lord Jesus as the Son of God. Ah, there was precious fruit there under that fig tree. At uh, a later day, there was another fig tree as the Lord was going up to Jerusalem. And there were, there were much leaves on it. And uh, the Lord, there was no fruit and the Lord cursed it. Now, others have stated this, that the, the fig tree was not cursed because it had no fruit. It was cursed because it had the appearance of giving fruit and there was nothing there. Wasn't that just a picture of Israel? Israel, uh, who claimed 
much had many privileges and yet brought no forth, uh, brought forth no fruit uh, for God. It's interesting to, to think of trees, isn't it? Uh, you remember uh, that in the Old Testament we see Deborah and she judges Israel uh, sitting at her dwelling under a palm tree. We go a bit further along and we see uh, King Saul under a pomegranate tree. Then think of Elijah under the juniper tree. And here we have, of course, uh, Nathaniel under a fig tree. I would see Deborah under the palm tree telling us of wisdom. God took up that woman because the men were not assuming their responsibilities. And God used that woman who dwelt under a uh, palm tree. We see her wisdom. Then we see King Saul under a pomegranate tree. Uh, and uh, Jonathan has gone to up to the camp of the Philistines to attack them. But Saul is there and uh, well, we see the weakness of the man. It was wisdom with Deborah. It was weakness with King Saul. And then we see uh, the prophet Elijah under the juniper tree. He, he longs to die. Ah, oh, there's weariness. He probably wonders, is it all worth it? But then God would call him home. And then we see uh, finally Nathaniel under this fig tree and we see him wondering. There's a wonderment as he would consider uh, the Lord Jesus. Remember, was, the Lord said to Nathaniel that he was uh, an Israelite in whom there was no guile. You know what that means, don't you? Here was an Israel in whom there was no Jacob. So Nathaniel was a true son of Israel. Now, so we have, uh, first of all, those that followed the Lord Jesus, the steps of the Savior. Then we have the fig tree and its fruit. And we go on to the third pair, which we have read about, concerning the holiness of the house. The Lord Jesus, he uh, cleansed uh, the temple on two occasions. Now, remember that uh, the temple, Herod's temple, was a vast structure, a huge building, and the outer court, called the Court of the Gentiles, was one where people would go up for various reasons, and, uh, but they would not go into the inner building. If you are careful in your reading, you will notice the Lord Jesus never went into the inner temple. Why? Because he was of the tribe of Judah. And uh, we know that uh, the entrance into the inner temple was reserved to the sons of Levi. He was not like uh, King Uzziah. You know, there were some kings in Judah. Some started well, and they finished badly. I think of King Asa. He started well, but then, uh, in the end, uh, he was attacked, and he sent for help from the king of Syria. 
and he died diseased in his feet. Uzziah, he went into the holy place to do that which was not permitted to him, and he was smitten with leprosy. He started well, but he finished badly. Then we have King Josiah, and he started well, but at the end of the uh, the king of Egypt came up with an army to attack another kingdom. It was no business of Josiah, but he got involved and he died on the battlefield. He started well, finished badly. What a, what a, a, a word to us. Have we started well? But how will we finish? The Apostle Paul, he fought the good fight. He, uh, he, he kept the faith. Here was a man who went through to the end, started well, and he finished well. May this be true of each one of us. Now, why did the Lord cleanse the temple? Why did he make a scourge and drive out the, 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 the cattle and the, and the sheep and the money changers and so on? Well, you see, here's the reason. Here's a man, now he's, he's a farmer near Jerusalem, and he has a, a few cattle. And he looks after them, and they're beautiful animals. And one day he talks to his neighbor, and the neighbor admires his, his cattle. He says, my, you have some really lovely animals there. Yes, he said, and I'm taking one of them up to offer to uh, the Jehovah God of Israel. He said, what? I'm taking one of these fine cattle up to the temple. My, you're a foolish man. You know, you can go to the cattle market in Jerusalem and get the same thing for half the price. Oh, now where is the cattle market? Well, it's up in that building, the actor called there, the temple. So he goes up. And he buys a, a, a bullock. Doesn't cost him much. And he offers it to God. Now, you see, what has he done? According to Deuteronomy chapter 12, he should have offered from his herds or from his flock. He had done what was condemned in the book of Malachi when God said that Israel had robbed him. Now, what about the money changers? Well, you know, I'm going to give something to the Lord and talk to your knee. I've only got a hundred dollar note in my pocket. Well, you know, don't worry. Go to the temple and they'll change it. And you get a, 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 a one dollar note and you can put that in the treasury. Obviously not. Now, we must be very careful. You know, in, in uh, under the law, I gave 10%, the tithing of my income, 10% was for God and the rest was for me. Under grace, Apostle Paul would remind us, we are not your own, we are bought with a price. And all that we have belongs to God. Mm. So, may we be preserved from this attitude, well, you know, I'm only going to give the minimum. That was a sin that caused the Lord to drive out those, uh, those hers and those money changers at the temple. You would say, well, you know, there's something else about that as well. In the three and something years which the Lord ministered, nothing had changed in Israel. 
They were the same at the beginning as they were at the end. So, there, today, uh, the events of the temple. Holiness in the house. And finally, we would see sovereignty at the summit. There was a mountain at the beginning, and there was a mountain at the end. The mountain at the beginning was where the Lord Jesus, when the Lord Jesus was tempted by the devil. Now, when you think of the temptation, please do not think, as some have taught, that the Lord Jesus could have sinned. He could have succumbed to the temptation. No, the Lord Jesus could not sin. In him was no sin. Uh, he did not, did no sin. He was without sin. Now, you might say, well, what was the point of the temptation? Why would the devil tempt him if he couldn't sin? Well, you see, I, I think that the devil deceived himself. He's a father of lies. He deceives uh, even the people of God. And so we would see there uh, that, that the temptations, it brings out something of the moral glory of the Lord Jesus. Now, up on that mountain, the devil showed him all the kingdoms of, of the world, and he said, all these things are mine. Uh, if you will fall down and worship me, I'll give them to you. Now, we know that that was not a, a boastful thing. It was true. The God of this world is here. And he, what he said, he could have done. But the Lord Jesus refused his temptation. And as you probably know, uh, the three temptations each time he answered, it is written. And that should be our defense. The Word of God is our protection. And very often we, we, we are disarmed because of our ignorance of the Word of God. We have heard in the previous uh, day or two the importance of reading the Scriptures, of meditating in them, of being penetrated by them, so that our instinctive reaction when we are confronted with temptation is influenced by what we have seen in the Word of God. It is written. So there on the mountain, the Lord Jesus is offered the kingdom to this world, and he refuses it. At the end of his ministry, he's on another mountain, and there in Matthew 28, he reminds the apostles that all authority is given unto him in heaven on earth, and he sends them to make from all nations disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So there uh, we have this divine commission today. The Lord Jesus at the beginning, he refused Satan's offer, and at the end he sends forth his own uh, to spread the gospel to all nations. So we see in these four events, four repeated events, we see uh, the steps of the Savior. We're called to follow Him. You know, sometimes we sing, follow, follow, I will follow Jesus. And I'm almost embarrassed to say, I think, well, am I really following the Lord? Are you really following the Lord? 
or are you just a, 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 a Sunday morning Christian or something? Then we think of fruitfulness. Is there fruitfulness in your life? Uh, throughout the, the writings of the Apostle Paul, there's many mentions of fruitfulness. And uh, we would seek to yield uh, fruit unto God. I refer something of uh, Anna from Acer, who, uh, who, uh, Asia, who often brought uh, fruit for, for God, choice fruit. Then, with the holiness of the house. The assembly is a place uh, which calls for reverence. Now, uh, we need to be careful in our behavior, but not simply when we come together. Whatever the circumstances we are in, are we a credit to the house of God? See, here is the house of God, not this building. This will disappear. But the house of God, the dwelling place of God, is where two or three are gathered together unto his name. And then we have the sovereignty on the side. We see the Lord Jesus sending his own uh, to preach the gospel. The soul might be saved to form that glorious body, the church, body of Christ.